Well, it's my turn now, so happy Mother's Day, all of you moms out there. I hope that today you get to do whatever you want. So, you know, if that's a little nap, go take a nap. Just, just do whatever in the world it is that, that, that you want to do, because we truly are so, so grateful for you. And, and as this week was coming around, I, I, I knew that I was supposed to preach on, on Mother's Day. And I've preached like on the day of Mother's Day before, but I don't think I've ever like preached a Mother's Day sermon. I've been doing ministry for 20 years now, and I think this is the first time I'm doing a Mother's Day sermon. And so whenever you don't know if you've ever preached on it, like, like what better way to kick off this message than to give you all a little history on Mother's Day? Doesn't that just sound enthralling, right? Now, I, I don't know if you've ever met someone who despised Mother's Day, but I can tell you about someone who did. Her name was Anna Jarvis, and she lived in West Virginia, and she grew to despise Mother's Day only after she helped create Mother's Day. In 1914, Jarvis actually led a campaign uh, to help persuade President Woodrow Wilson to set aside the second Sunday in May as a national day of recognition for mothers. She orchestrated many letter-writing campaigns and lobbied influential uh, politicians and clergymen and distributed brochures arguing about the importance of a day to celebrate moms. All of this came about because recently, before 1914, uh, her own mother had, had, had recently passed away. However, it did not take long for, for Anna Jarvis to kind of change her tune on Mother's Day because by the 1920s, she was sickened by the commercial circus that had grown around this day. She, she hated all the cards and the flowers and the perceived once-a-year sincerity, and it, she believed that it went against everything that she was hoping to accomplish by creating this special day for moms. And then just before her death in 1948, she reflected on, on what she had hoped to create and said this, I devoted my entire life to Mother's Day, and the racketeers and grafters have taken it over. It went so far that in her latter days, she spent time in a mental institution and she spent her time crashing floral company conventions to protest and using and urging card companies to donate the money that they made from Mother's Day cards to the poor. There was even one time that she got arrested at a Mother's Day convention and launched a lawsuit to stop a Mother's Day festival from being held. Let's pray this morning, okay? Like that, that's... That, 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 that's pretty fun, right? I mean, that's just a, what if we ended the message right there? For Jarvis, all that she wanted to do was honor her mom, and then it all got messed up. But personally, I am so thankful that Mother's Day has survived. I don't think that there could be enough times that we could set aside to, to make sure that moms know that they are loved and that they are valued. And I, I know that Mother's Day can carry so 
so many different emotions and, and, and so many different kinds of weight for so many people. For, for many, Mother's Day is simply a day of celebration, right? I mean, it's a day to take mom out to a nice lunch. It's a day to buy some flowers. It's a, it's a day, if you don't live around your mom, to, to make that FaceTime phone call, you know, that, that, that afternoon or something. Mom, if you're watching, I promise it's coming, you know. Uh, it, 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 it's a day that, 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 that for some, though, it, it's, it, it, it's a reminder of loss, it's a day that can bring back the pain of the memories or the pain of relationships past. It's a, it's a day that can bring to the surface the, the longing that, that you have, the longing that's there every single day, but, but that somehow over the course of the busyness of life can, can possibly be buried a little bit beneath the surface. And if you're here today and if you're somebody who, who man, Mother's Day is not bringing about the best Memories, like it brings about pain and, and longing. I want to encourage you with something. Sometimes the greatest pains can ultimately be the greatest reminders of how blessed that we've been. Sometimes the greatest pain can bring about the, the greatest reminders of how blessed that we've been. But today, I don't want this to be a downer. I want to celebrate moms. Because there's little in this world that is more beautiful or more life-giving than a good mom. There's little in this world that's more beautiful or more life-giving than someone who fills the role in a person's life of a good mom. There's little in this world that's more beautiful or more life-giving than simply being a good mom. And this is an easy one for me because I've got a great mom. In fact, my, my brother, I was reading his Facebook post earlier this morning. You know how, how I, I think it's a rule now. If you have a Facebook account, you have to make a Facebook post on Mother's Day. It, 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 it's just a rule. So uh, I, I read my brother's Facebook post, and, and he said this. I, I know everybody likes to say that they have the best mom, but mine really is. And I agree with him. I have such a great mom. And not only do I have a great mom, but I, my, my wife, Heather, is a great mom. And then this year in, in particular, like after losing both of my grandmas here fairly recently in the last several months, I, I find myself in a place today where I am just so, so thankful for the women that God has placed in my life. I think back on my relationship with my grandma Gibson my mom's mom, and, and I, I can tell you that my entire life, I do not ever remember having a conversation with my grandma Gibson where she did not tell me that she was praying for me. I cannot remember a conversation with my grandma Gibson where she did not tell me that she was proud of me. With my grandma Turner, I cannot remember having a conversation with her where she did not tell me that she was proud of me. And over the past several years, I cannot remember a conversation with my grandma Turner where she did not ask me about all of you and how you were doing. I remember growing up and going to my grandma uh, Turner's house and, and, and my grandma Turner had her chair and she would be sitting in her chair and, and on the table next to her chair was what, what, what was the, the, the church bulletin and the church prayer list so that way she could just make sure that she was keeping everybody in her prayers. And I remember growing up and going to my grandma Gibson's house and Next to her chair, yes, having like your chair is extremely important in my family. And, and next to my grandma Gibson's chair on her table was her Bible and her Bible study notes and her study guides. And 
Whenever I think about the legacy that they've left, it reminds me so much of what the psalmist says in, in Psalm 119, where, where he says that, that, that your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens, and your faithfulness continues through all generations. You established the earth, and it endures. Church, God's faithfulness is not meant to end with you. God's faithfulness is, is to continue through all generations. It's like what the Apostle Paul said to, to Timothy, this young man that he was mentoring whenever he wanted to encourage Timothy in his faith. This is what he said. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded to believe that it now lives in you also. And so through, through moms and, and through grandmas, so, so many of us have seen great faithfulness. We've seen compassion. We've seen gentleness. We've seen great boldness and so much more. We've seen a faith that continues through generation to generation. And this week, as I was preparing for this message, I... I, I was literally struck, I was struck by, by how many of the attributes that make a good mom coincide with, with the heart of God. There are so many attributes that make a good mom, a great mom that coincide with the heart of God. I, I, I thought about how, how, you know, like, like this whole mama bear thing, it's real, like, it's really real, and, and, and moms are such fierce protectors of their children. I remember a time, I was probably 11 or 12 years old, and, and I had a Little League baseball game on a Saturday morning, which in my day, like, Little League games on Saturdays were, were very rare. That meant that, you know, the Tuesday night game, the Monday night game, the Thursday night game, like, one of those had to be canceled for you to have a Saturday game, and, and, and we had this game on a Saturday afternoon, and, and my team was either in first or second place, and we were playing the other team that was in first or second place, and, and the game went down to, you know, the, the very last inning, and ultimately my team came out on the short end, and obviously the other team came out victorious, and, and we're walking to the car, and I have this friend by the name of Aaron Walker, and my mom didn't really know that Aaron and I were buddies, and and so we're walking, and, and Aaron, he starts to needle me a little bit about beating us in this really, really close game. And I mean, I, I, I don't remember much about the game. I don't remember the score. I remember that it was, I mean, that, that's like literally all that I remember. However, I remember everything that happened on the way to the car. Because as we're walking, and Aaron begins to talk his talk, you know, all of a sudden, my mom stands up out of the car and looks at Aaron's direction and begins to say words to him that make him turn white as a ghost, stop in his tracks, and immediately turn around and walk away. It was awesome. Like, like it was just the coolest thing in the entire world. Like, there is something about a mom that says, I'm going to protect my child. There's, there, 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 there's something about a mom whenever it comes to structure. I asked a couple of friends this week, like, whenever you think of a mom, what do you think of? And one of the first things that they said was structure. I don't know if anybody else's house is like this. Like, I could leave my house for a day. Nobody would notice. I could leave for a week. Nobody would notice. 
I could probably even leave for a month. They could get by a year without me with no problem at all. But if my wife leaves the house for 30 minutes, it becomes debatable on if the house is still going to be standing whenever she gets home. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But moms, they provide so, so much structure. Moms are like the greatest comforters in the world. Sometimes a mom will comfort with kind words and hugs. Sometimes my mom would comfort me with a swift kick in the pants. But their comfort always seemed to provide strength where strength was lacking. Moms are so sacrificial. In fact, I don't know if, if, if there could be a better word to describe moms than sacrificial. If there's one more cookie in the jar... If there's one more piece of cake on the table, and if the baby says that they want the cookie, if the baby says they want the piece of cake, 95 times out of 100, the mom's taking the back seat and giving the baby the cookie or the piece of cake, or at the very minimum, like it's getting split in two. Now you, you, you bring the dad into that situation, <laughs> and all of a sudden life lessons are taught. I'm sorry, son, life's just not always fair. You know, like, like if you want something, you better go get it because if you snooze, you lose. Like, like dads take the opportunity to teach life lessons. Moms take the opportunity to be sacrificial. I don't know how many awful TV shows moms have sat through just because that's what their kids wanted to watch. At the core of a great mom is a sacrificial mom. Moms are present. Moms are intentional. Never does a mom just buy a gift for the sake of buying a gift. But every gift that a mom buys has a meaning and a purpose behind the gifts. Moms are so joyful and so playful regardless of what mood they are in. Like, like moms actually have convinced themselves that taking a bunch of screaming toddlers to a park is fun? Like, I don't get it, but, 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 but they've been able to, to do that. Moms are so instinctual. I mean, just, there, there, there's something about a mom, there's something about this mother's intuition that they know when they need to talk and they know when they need to let things simmer. They know how to read between the lines whenever the only thing they can get out of their child is, it's fine, it's fine, I'm okay. But a mother's intuition is something, something to behold. Moms are so, so loyal. I cannot even begin to tell you how many times my mom should have given up on me. You guys, like I gave her so many reasons to give up on me. But she never did. Moms are the best listeners. I remember whenever I was fired in North Carolina and I had a three-month-old baby. And I remember calling my mom on my way home from the office at 10 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was, bawling my eyes out and heard you saying, it's okay, we're going to get through this. I remember every time that we found out that Heather was pregnant, my very first phone call was always, 
to my mom. Whenever big things in life would happen, whenever there, there, there was a new job opportunity, my mom was always the first one. The person that I would call whenever I can't make th- sense of things, it's my mom. The person I would call whenever I needed to vent, it was my mom. The person I would call whenever I needed to cry or whenever I was afraid, it was my, my, my mom. Outside of my wife, Heather, it's just always my mom. There's no one who on this earth who knows a child better than a good mom. I was born at 3.56 in the morning. <laughs> exactly. I only know that because my mom knows literally every little detail about my life, the finite details, the things that only a mom would know. I'm sure that you could fill an entire book with such information. There truly is in this world so Little in this world that is more beautiful than a good and a godly mom. Proverbs 31, verses 28 and 29 say say this about a a mom. It says that her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but, but you, mom, you surpass them all. From generation to to generation, the faithfulness of the godly continues. Moms, I hope that you can hear this today. Your kids are looking to you. Your kids, they are influenced by you. I don't care how old your kids are. This is still true. Your children, they, they covet your prayers. They long for you to listen. They, they appreciate all that you do. Even though oftentimes that doesn't get communicated nearly enough, and far too often we, we wait for this holiday that was ultimately despised by the woman who ha- helped create it. But we appreciate you so, so much. And it's interesting to me that, that whenever you look at Jesus, and as Jesus was getting ready to enter like the darkest portion of his entire life, shortly after Palm Sunday, you, you see Jesus riding into Jerusalem, going into Jerusalem, and he makes his way to the temple, and you remember this, and he has all these mean words for the Pharisees, you Pharisees, you brood of vipers, you're like whitewashed tombs, so you look great on the outside, on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones, like Jesus knew exactly what lied before him. And after he leaves the temple, after he said, you know, and, and, and confronted and, and, and berated the Pharisees, the teachers, the, 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 the religious leaders of the day, he makes his way up to a hill and he looks out over Jerusalem and he says these words, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together As a a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. The heart of Jesus is this. I have longed to protect you. I have longed to comfort you. I have longed for you to come to me. I have longed for you, but you were not willing. Yet within just a matter of days, Jesus would still, even though these people were were, were not willing, were so 
against him, against those who had been sent to prepare the way for him, within a matter of days, Jesus would still sacrifice his life to show his love in hopes to give life and to receive their love. I can't even begin to tell you the number of times that I've heard moms say similar things to me about their children. Longing to protect their children. Longing to protect them from the dangers of this world. Putting themselves in a place where, where they can take on the pain instead of their children. So much of what makes a great mom, mom comes straight from the heart of God. And we can learn so much about the heart of God through a great mom. Whenever I was 10 years old, my parents, they went through a really, really tough time. I was raised in the church, and growing up, I didn't really like going to church. I mean, I did everything I could to get out of going to church. I, I would get the thermometer and hide it in my room at night and try and put it on a light bulb for a few minutes to get the temperature just up high enough that I could still go out and play, but I didn't have to go to church, you know? If my mom wouldn't let me wear my, my Superman outfit to church, then I just wasn't really, really having it. But I was raised in the church, and my dad, he, he grew up as a gospel singer. I mean, my entire life, my dad's been a professional musician, and he grew up traveling all around the world singing, and while my dad was out traveling, my mom would always make sure that we were at church. I can't even begin to imagine how frustrating it would have been for my mom to fight the battles to get us to church every single week whenever we didn't want to go. But when my parents were going through this tough time, whenever I was 10 years old, I saw something in my mom that changed my life forever. I saw her through her pain dive into scripture. I saw her through her pain lift her hands in worship. I saw her through her pain cling to Jesus like, like her fingernails digging into the wood of the cross as to say, I will not let go. And I will never forget this time in my life. And honestly, I never want to forget this time in my life. I am so thankful for this time in my life whenever my parents went through a tough time because through my mom and, yeah, through my dad, I saw what it looks like to, to, to look to Jesus whenever it would have been so much easier to just turn away from him. I saw what it looked like. I saw, I, I saw something that I wouldn't have words to describe for at least a couple more decades. But what I saw was this. That when things look their worst, God is often up to his best. And as time would go on, my relationship with Jesus would begin to shape me more and more. And I would see that when things look their worst, God is ultimately up to his best. It was not simply my family's story, but it was Jesus' story. 
But it wasn't only Jesus' story, but it was also the story of all of Scripture. I just got to see it lived out before my own eyes in my own home. And when I look back on my life to, to, to see when it was that Jesus really took hold of my life, it was during that time whenever I was 10 to 11 years old and I was watching, watching my mom worship. Not because things were good, but because there was simply nothing else that she could do. And so today, I am so thankful for my grandmas who loved me. I'm so thankful for my grandmas who prayed for me. I'm so thankful for my grandmas who prayed for you. I'm so thankful for my grandmas who constantly told me that they were proud of me. Today, I am so thankful for my wife and the way that she so fiercely and intensely and deeply loves our children. And today, I am so thankful for my mom who showed me a kind of relationship with Jesus that went beyond the surface and into something that was literally life-changing. And today, I'm so thankful for each and every one of you because there's little in this world that is more beautiful or life-giving than a good and a godly mom. Because when it really comes down to it, the attributes of a good mom, they come straight from the heart of God. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, for the way that you love us. I thank you for the way that you've orchestrated our lives and the way that you put people in our lives. I thank you for the good memories that we have of our moms. And, and if we don't have the good memories of our mom, God, I thank you so much for the good memories that we have of the people that you placed in our life to fill the role of a good mom. Jesus, I thank you. thank you for, for the fact that you are loyal, for the fact that you are a protector, for the fact that you are a comforter, for the fact that you are present, that you are intentional, that you bring joy, for the fact that you are a great listener, the best listener, for the fact that you know every little detail of, our, of us all the way down to the number of hairs on our head. And I thank you that you are sacrificial. Jesus, thank you. We honor you and we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.